Well, it's good to be here this morning, and uh, thankful for the opportunity to uh, come in and, and uh, preach. I, uh, I'm thankful for this church. Uh, my pastor, Pastor Mike Rogers, who uh, I've known since I was 12 years old, uh, God's really used him in my life in a tremendous way. I know hundreds of pastors, as God's called us into the ministry of evangelism, but uh, there's no pastor that's had a more Im- bigger impact in my life than Pastor Mike Rogers. Yesterday, we had a uh, surprise birthday party for him. He just celebrated, his, or Wednesday, he's going to celebrate his 70th birthday. And uh, he served here for several years before he became the pastor of Faith Baptist Tabernacle in North Highlands and got to preach uh, many times. And he said, I cut my teeth in preaching uh, there at Hollister. And so uh, God's used uh, him in my life, but God used this church in his life. And so uh, uh, this church has impacted me. And I'm so thankful uh, for how God has used uh, you folks throughout the years. And uh, my pastor's daughter also got saved here. We also saw her yesterday. And uh, she says, oh, I've got good memories of uh, being a, uh, in a Sunday school class and coming to know Christ as, as her Savior uh, way back when. And, and uh, thankful for uh, the Rogers as they've uh, been there now 32 years at our home church. And so thankful for their faithfulness and uh, thankful for churches in California. Uh, God's called us this ministry of evangelism. I surrendered the call to be an evangelist when I was 15 years old. I grew up there uh, in Sacramento, grew up in a Christian home, and, and I was shy and quiet by nature. I hated getting up in front of people, and then God called me uh, to be an evangelist, where you're in front of people just about every night. And uh, the only thing that appealed to me about evangelism is traveling. I love to travel. Uh, I've been to all 50 states and several foreign countries, uh, Mexico, Canada, New Zealand, Israel, North Carolina, Uh, Well, maybe not. Uh, North Carolina was a foreign country to me. That's where God called me to go to train to be an evangelist underneath evangelist Ron Comfort at Ambassador Baptist College. And it was there that I met my wife, Megan. Uh, Megan uh, grew up in Columbus, Georgia. So I got a southern uh, wife, although she doesn't have much of a southern accent uh, anymore. Uh, She's been in California long enough, I guess. But uh, I'm thankful that uh, God brought her into my life. My dad says, Tim, as the Bible says, every good gift and every perfect gift coming from above, you're a good gift to Megan, but Megan's a perfect gift uh, to you. And I said, you got that right. And uh, I think of Ephesians chapter 3 and verse number 20, that uh, God does exceeding abundantly above all that, I, that you can ask or think. And uh, that is my exceeding abundantly above all that I could ask or think. And I prayed for my future wife, and I, there were things that I was asking God for, but God did so much more beyond uh, what uh, I was even thinking. And, and so we've uh, been traveling now in evangelism over 12 years. And uh, we ha- go all over the place. We're in California. We're in different places. This, we're in a period right now, the last uh, four weeks, let's see, three weeks ago, we had a revival meeting in Tucson, Arizona. And uh, God did a great work there. And then the next uh, Sunday found us in Mesquite, Nevada, which is right near the border of Utah and uh, in Arizona. And then this whole last week, we were in Holly Ridge, North Carolina, right by the ocean, the Atlantic Ocean. We had a uh, kind of an impromptu prayer revival. This uh, pastor was very burdened on the matter of prayer for his church, and they have an evangelist coming in two more months. Uh, they're in December, but he just felt that God wanted us to come and do a prayer revival and just an extra thing, and God was all over it. We had a tremendous week, and I think uh, for me personally, it, it was reviving for me. And I said to the congregation, and the pastor was agreeing on this, I said, the word described this week that we had is convicting. And uh, God really just worked on all of us, worked on me, the pastor, 
and the congregation as well. And so I had a tremendous week this last week. We flew in on Friday and then had our pastor's uh, celebration, surprise birthday party yesterday, and now we're here today. I feel like I'm on the Eastern time zone. I'm a little hungry. And, uh, and so, but I'm thankful uh, to be back in California. One of the things I, I, uh, I say when I get out of California is uh, one of the blessings about being from California is that everywhere else I go, it's cheaper. Uh, gas is cheaper, food is cheaper, but uh, California is where my heart is at. And uh, I feel as many pastors say, we're on the front lines. And, uh, and I, I mentioned this last year, I, I thought it for many times, but never had publicly said it, uh, but to a group of preachers, I, I said, uh, whenever I leave California, I feel like I can relax a little bit. Uh, the, the, the war is not, or the, the fire is not as intense elsewhere, but here it's hot. And, uh, and so certainly we need to be uh, in prayer and dependent upon the Lord. And we're going to be talking about that this morning. Um, I was debating about uh, singing and I didn't want to do it. I argued it with the Lord uh, this morning. I've argued it as we've been in the service, but uh, Megan's still at the piano. So I'm going to sing a song. And I believe the Lord would have uh, for this, and, and I hope that this will be an encouragement to you. rise they won't worry me 
for I'm sheltered safe within the arms of God. He walks with me and not of earth can harm me. Sheltered safe within the arms of God. Aren't you thankful that we're sheltered safe in the arms of God? Let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2 this morning. I don't know if you're in the Christmas mood yet. Uh, It's getting that way. It's not going to be too far, and then it will be uh, Christmas. Uh, Time goes by so quickly, but uh, we're not going to be going to the Christmas story or the birth of Christ, uh, but uh, we are in Luke chapter 2, and we're going to learn about a little uh, known woman by the name of Anna, and uh, I've heard uh, many messages out of the book of Luke. I grew up in a Christian home, went to to Christian school all my life, and and, uh, I've heard many messages out of the book of Luke, and uh, maybe I just have forgotten, but I don't remember hearing a message on uh, this a widow lady named Anna. But we're going to be in Luke chapter 2 and begin in verse number 36. Luke chapter 2 and verse number 36. It says, And there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Aser. She was of a great age and had lived with an husband seven years from her virginity. And she was a widow of about fourscore and four years which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I'm so thankful that we have you. Thank you, Lord, for the salvation that we have through Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, that you do walk with us uh, through the the storms of life. Lord, I thank you and praise you that you're greater than anything that we will ever face in our life. Lord, I praise you for your majesty, for uh, being exalted, that you are high and lifted up, that there is no one greater, there is no one higher than you. And yet, Lord, your attention is on us. Lord, I thank you that you have orchestrated for us to be here in this service for this time. Lord, it is not uh, my desire to go through the motions of of preaching a message. It's not my desire to go through the motions of a service. But I ask, Lord, that you would speak very specifically to us here this morning. Lord, I confess my absolute inadequacy and dependence upon you to deliver this message. And Lord, we all need your help in listening and obeying what it is that you have for us. So Lord, draw us nearer to you by us being here this morning. Lord, be exalted. I pray that if there's any here that does not know thee as Savior, that they would see their desperate need for Christ and come to that saving knowledge of you this day. Lord, have your way be done in each of our lives, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. We come here to Luke chapter 2, one of the most significant chapters in all of the Bible, the birth of Jesus Christ. The long-awaited prophecy of Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15 is being fulfilled. Here in Luke chapter 2, this one that was promised, the Messiah has come. The one that was, uh, was told of, of John, that said in John 1.29, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. 
Jesus who uh, lived this perfect, sinless life, becoming the ultimate sacrifice that all the sacrifices of the Old Testament were pointing to. This one, Jesus Christ, who was born to die upon that cruel cross and shedding his blood for your sins and for mine and then dying, uh, being buried, and then that third day uh, showing more power than any who has ever gone before or after, and that is resurrection power. And uh, rising again that third day, conquering sin, conquering the grave, proving his deity, and all who will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. This is the redemption story. Eight days have passed now after Christ has been born, and he uh, is now brought into the temple and is shown to uh, one who was promised to be able to see the Messiah, which is Simeon. We see in, uh, in Luke chapter 2, in, uh, in verse number 30, it says, For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. He was promised uh, by God to be able to see the Lord's Christ. And he knew in verse 32, it says, A light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. He knew that he wasn't just given to the Jews, but to the Gentiles as well. And uh, he knew the different things that Mary was going to uh, face. As uh, it says there in verse 34, and, and Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thy own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And so salvation has come uh, to the Jews and to the Gentiles, and then we are introduced to this one woman who uh, is named Anna, and it says there in verse 36, and there was one Anna. Anna served God with her life. Uh, her name, uh, Anna, means grace. Uh, this uh, uh, her daughter, she was a daughter of Phanuel, a name identical with Peniel, meaning the face of God. And so this one Anna, though her biography is very brief here in the scriptures, uh, is still a, a name that is used uh, even last year. It was ranked 34th, the most popular name given to girls. And uh, so she had a tremendous testimony. And as First Peter, or First Timothy 5, 3 says, Honor widows that are widows indeed, now she that is a widow indeed, and desolate, trusteth in God, and continueth in supplication and prayers night and day. Certainly, this is Anna's testimony. Anna, a worthy widow, is one that we should all certainly honor. The title of the message this morning is, are, uh, Serving God Through Prayer. Serving God Through Prayer. Where are you serving God in your life? Number one, we'll see Anna's circumstances to serve God. Number two, Anna's service to God. And then number three, Anna's reward from God. To serve God, we must serve him through prayer, praise, and proclaiming the gospel. We see that she served God with her life. Look at her circumstances to serve God. It says that she was a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel. Uh, the word prophesy means to uh, proclaim a divine message. Anna was one to whom was given uh, <clears throat> known events before and after one from whom God spoke to others. This wasn't a preaching uh, ministry uh, or a pastoral ministry, but uh, she uh, was one that uh, uh, would be able to, to tell forth God's word. And so uh, she was a prophetess, but then we notice that she was old. Uh, it says there in verse 37 that she was a widow about fourscore and four years. You say, well, 84 years, that's old. Uh, that's an older woman. And, uh, and I would, you know, I think, yeah, that's an older woman, but uh, it's not just 84 years that that's how old she is. I think of one lady that I knew since I was in preschool. Her name was Kathy Heyer. Uh, she since has passed away, but she was one of these people in my life that I always thought was old. 
uh, just like all, all throughout my life. She's just so old. She's probably the same age I am now when I first met her. And, uh, and Kathy, I'd pick on her. She was my teacher many times uh, growing up. And, and I would say, uh, you know, she's the best history teacher because she knew George Washington and, uh, you know, gave firsthand accounts. And, and, uh, and I said, you know, she even knew Moses. Uh, she remembers when the Dead Sea was still sick. Uh, you know, she's just so old, and I would pick on her all the time. She'd pick on me. We, I, I miss her. We, I miss uh, uh, picking on her. And I said, the only time I, I've ever needed algebra in my life is to find out how old Kathy Heyer is. And, uh, and so I would just pick on her constantly. There was one time uh, that I knocked on someone's door, and this lady, I think she was, uh, I don't know, like 98 years old, and, and, uh, and she says, oh, you go to Faith Baptist Tabernacle. Do you know Kathy Heyer? And I said, yes. She was my third grade teacher. Now, this is not true, but I told Kathy Heyer this, and she says, yeah, she was my third grade teacher, too. Uh, but, uh, she, you know, of course she wasn't, but it was, uh, I picked on her a lot. But, but uh, 84 years, you think, well, that's old. But this isn't, she's not 84 years old. This is 84 years since her husband died. So she's between possibly 105 to 110 years old. And I think we could all agree, that's old. And uh, yet she's this age, but she's serving God with her life. She's old, but then she is widowed and childless. Uh, she doesn't have her husband. There's no children in her life, yet she's serving God with her life. She could have had a lot of excuses of why not to serve God. She could have said, God, if you didn't take my husband, then I could have really served you with my life. God, if you would have given me children, then I could have raised them up and we could have served uh, the, you together and I could have raised them to serve you. God, if you would give me children, then I could really serve you with my life. God, if I wasn't so old, if I wasn't this great age, then I could really live for you. I could really serve you with my life. Or maybe if I was younger, then I could do what you want me to do. If I had better health, if I had more money, then I could really serve you. Or maybe if I was gifted in the area of music, then I could really serve you with my life. Or maybe if I had a different personality. I don't know what kind of personality she may have had. Maybe she had a quiet, shy, shy one like I've uh, grown up with. But uh, she, you know, if I had a different personality, then I could really serve you with my life. But you don't find Anna giving any of those excuses. But oh, how often you and I give excuses of why we can't be used. How often we give excuses, you know what, I, I'm just not gifted in that area, so I can't really serve God in that area. My pastor, uh, he's very transparent, he's the real deal, and he preached uh, last year on a Wednesday night about the runner's limp. He was talking about how he's watching this race, and, and uh, you see these runners come in, first, second, third, fourth, and then here comes somebody kind of straggling along, and he's acting like he's got uh, something with his ankle that he's hurt, but it was more of just he's faking it because he didn't finish in the top 10. It wasn't that he really had that hurt, but he was just pretending that he had that hurt. And in my pastor, very transparent to us, he said, many times throughout my 30 plus years of ministering here at Faith Baptist, I've had the runner's limp. I use an excuse why, I'm not, I, I, why I can't serve God in these certain ways. Oswald Chambers said this, the way we continually talk about our own inability is an insult to the Creator. It may sound wonderfully humble before men, but before God, it's an attitude of defiance. Wow. That's convicting. 
Many times I also have had the runner's limp. Many times I've given excuses of why I can't be used. I'm so thankful for the example uh, there in the scriptures of Moses. God was calling Moses, and Moses uh, says in uh, Exodus 4 and verse 10, and the Lord said, or Moses said to the Lord, O oh my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore nor since hast thou spoken to thy servant. I am of a slow speech and of a slow tongue. And so Moses gives this excuse of why he can't be used of God uh, to go to Pharaoh. And so God says, you know what, Moses, you're right. I don't need you. I'm just going to pass on you and, and go to somebody else and, because uh, you really aren't gifted in that way. Yep, I'm going to pass on you. No, he doesn't, he doesn't accept that excuse. You know what the Lord responds to him? In verse 11, the Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth? Or who maketh the dumb or the deaf, the blind, the, uh, the seeing? Have not I the Lord? If God's called you to do something, you have no excuse of why it can't be done. If God wants you, wants you to obey, you, obey him in some certain area, or he's having you to step out on faith in some area, there is no excuse of why it can't be done. God's called you to do it, he's going to equip you to do it. 1 Thessalonians 5, 24, faithful is he that calls you who also will do it. God will do that through you. God will give you the ability uh, to do, to obey him. There's no excuse of why we can't be used. I was talking to a man earlier this year, and an older man, and he said, uh, and he, he, uh, he gotten saved a few years before, and, and just has such a tender heart, and he says, I know that if I don't get out of my comfort zone, I won't become what God wants me to be. And I'm thinking, you're in your, your 70s or so, and you're trying to get out of your comfort zone, I mean, God's done that in my life, and, and uh, still continues to stretch us, and if we don't get out of our comfort zone, we won't be used, like God wants us to be used. Oh, step out on faith. Uh, just quit with the excuses of why you can't be used. If God's called you to do something, step out on faith and be obedient to him. Anna, we don't find her giving any of these excuses, even though she could have had a number of excuses of why she could not be used of God. Herbert Lockyer said of her, uh, Anna was desolate, that is alone, solitary. A widow can know the, what it's like to face the long, lonely, and cheerless life. And a solitude made more acute because of the remembrance of happier days. But it was not so with Anna. When as a young motherless wife, God withdrew from her the earthly love she rejoiced in, she did not bury her hope in the grave. In place of what God took, what did he do? He gave her more of himself. And she became devoted to him who, was, who promised to be as a husband to the widow. And throughout her long widowhood was an unwearying devotion to him. She desired to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of her life. Are you making excuses of why you can't be used of God? So we see, number one, Anna's circumstances to serve God. But then notice, number two, Anna's service to God. It says here in, uh, in verse 37, And she was a widow about fourscore and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. This word serve means to carry out duties in a spirit of worship. I love that. Carrying out duties in a spirit of worship. You see, it wasn't just something done from the head. No, it's from the heart. I'm doing it because I love God. It's an outflow of the life. It's not just a required duty. No, she's doing it because she loves God. She wants to exalt God. She's worshiping God. She's serving out of a heart of worship. It's the same word used in 
Romans chapter 12 and verse number 1. I was listening to a preacher recently, he preached on that passage in Romans 12, 1, and he talked about Paul and all of the uh, different difficulties that he went through. I mean, persecution, tremendous trials, and, and, you think, and you say, okay, what kind of Christianity would you call that? What would you call that life that just gave everything and was totally dedicated to God? He had mentioned a couple of other missionaries that, that uh, really just put it all on the line. And, and he says, what would you call that kind of a life where you just you, you offer your life up that as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God? What kind of a Christian life do you call that? You know what God calls it? Your reasonable service. That's what God calls it. Where you lay everything on the line, say, God, I'm all in. Everything I have, all that I am, I'm a living sacrifice, holy, set apart from sin unto you, holy, acceptable unto God, which is my reasonable service. If we're not living that way, we don't have that surrendered life, we're the ones that are being unreasonable. God's not calling us to anything unreasonable. No, it's our reasonable service. A verse of a song that has just so gripped me in the last four years or so is when I survey the wondrous cross. Isaac Watts, many times as he wrote that song, but he, many times he would preach and he would write hymns that coincided with what he was preaching on. I'd love to have heard his message. But he talks about when I survey the wondrous cross and what Christ went through. You know, see from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did e'er such love and sorrow meet, or thorns compose so rich a crown? And we know the answer to that. No, never has love and sorrow met as it did that day. Never has, has a, uh, that, those thorns compose so rich a crown as it did that day. But when he thinks about all that Christ has done for him, then that last verse, verse number four, what was his response? We're the whole realm of nature mine. God, if I had everything at my disposal to give back to you for what you have done for me in saving my soul, were the whole realm of nature mine, that were a present far too small. Love, so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. This is a, a service uh, that is done out of a heart of gratitude, out of a heart of worship, we ought to, that's how we ought to serve our God, as Anna did. She served out of a heart of worship, saying, God, you are worthy of my everything, of every day, of every breath, of every dollar, of, of every moment. If God rescued us from an eternity in hell and never did another thing for us, if that's all he ever did, he is worthy of every moment of every day of our life, to be served, loved, and obeyed. And yet, he's not only rescued our eternity, but then he pours out numerous blessings to us. The songs we got to sing this today, the truths we get to proclaim through music, how great thou art, the answers to prayer, the fellowship with one another, uh, the, the word of God, so many blessings he pours out to us. Oh, he is worthy. He is worthy of everything. He's worthy of not being half-hearted but being fully surrendered. You and I, so often, we, we live our life half-hearted. We say, okay, God, I'll serve you with this, and, but this other part of my life, I'm holding on to. God says, no, I, I paid for it all. It's all in. You and I cannot live this Christian life half-heartedly. God hasn't called us to live half-hearted. God's called us to love Him with all our soul, 
with all of our strength, with all of our might, with all of our heart, with everything we have. When you and I are half-hearted, we're losing. No, it's all in. It's full surrender. It's my heart out of love and worship that I'm going to serve God. And this is how Anna served God. Colossians 3.23, And whatsoever you do, do it heartily, as unto the Lord, not unto men, knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. I'm going to get ahead of myself a little bit uh, with, just with that verse. My, uh, uh, my wife and I we were, uh, know of a situation where this assistant pastor had poured his life into this church. I mean, just decades of, of ministry. And, uh, and, and they, they were calling him, uh, God was calling him on to another ministry. And, and it just seemed like, uh, though they you know, were, gave him a, a goodbye party and all that, it was just, I'm like, you don't understand all that he did. I wish you would have been able to say thank you in a better way. Uh, and, and it just kind of hurt us a little bit. But then you think about, well, God saw everything he did. And God sees everything you do. And who's the best one to reward? God. You know, other people may not see the work that you do for the Lord, but he does. He knows all of those things. He knows every time you've done right, every time you've served him. He's got his eye on you. He sees all of those things. I think of uh, Paul, when he said about Anisiphorus in 2 Timothy chapter 1, uh, he says, Lord, remember him in that day. Have mercy upon him in that day. The judgment seat of Christ. God, remember all that he's done for me. I reward him, he says, because I can't reward Anisiphorus. I'm here in prison. I can't give back to everything that he's done for me. God, you have mercy upon him. You reward him for what he's done for me. The best one to reward is God. And in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 6 is not, as, not with eye service, as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with doing will or do, doing uh, uh, with goodwill, doing service as to the Lord and not unto men. This service was unto the Lord. That's how she was serving God. She was serving it out of a heart of worship. So how did she serve God? We see here, she served God with fastings. Now fasting is not commanded in Scripture, but we would do well to partake in it. Uh, what is fasting? It's to deprive of food hunger for a specific time and purpose. Uh, now, the, Jesus expected his disciples to fast. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 16, he says, Moreover, when you fast. This ought to be a part of our Christian life. You say, well, uh, uh, Brother Schmidt, I, I really can't fast. I mean, physically, I've got some issues and I can't fast. I, I get that. I understand that. My mom, uh, throughout my life, I mean, just a couple of times she said this, but uh, uh, she says, Tim, I really can't fast. Just physically, I just can't do it, get headaches and different things. And uh, last year in February, my mom was diagnosed with the third deadliest cancer in the world. The doctor told her, you have two to six months to live. And uh, we were begging God to, to have mercy and to give a miracle and to give, extend her life. It's been a year and a half, and my mom's doing well. The cancer has not spread. It's a miracle. It's only God. Uh, they said, your mom may be somebody we're going to be talking about for years to come. But I, it was interesting as she was going through all these tests. You know what the doctors were telling her? Terry Schmidt, for the next 16 hours, you cannot eat. Or the next 24 hours, you cannot eat before you do this test. My mom, I think, has fasted more in the last year and a half than she has in, in, uh, in the previous years. And, it, you know, you, it, all of us, at some point, we break fast. We eat breakfast. And maybe instead of going to that breakfast, you say, you know, God, for the next half hour, for the next hour, I'm going to seek your face. There's something that's a burden on my heart. There's something that's so important to me that I need to get to you before I get to the food that I need uh, to eat. 
Job 23, 12, Job said, Neither have I gone back to the commandments of his lips, for I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. I have an evangelist friend, Rich Tozer, that has this principle in his life. No Bible, no breakfast. If he doesn't spend time uh, reading the Bible, he's not going to eat any food. He's not going to eat his breakfast. Uh, he wants to make sure that he's putting God first. But maybe there's some, uh, maybe for some of us, that's all, you know, that's the fasting we're going to do. Maybe for some other of us, maybe God's going to call us to a whole day fa- fast or a couple of day fast to get a hold of the ear of God, for God to get a hold of us. Uh, there are things, many things you can pray about. I uh, think about the next pastor, whoever that is. Uh, I'd encourage you, you know, I just want to encourage you with this. He's probably been born by now. Uh, so, uh, you know, I can encourage you with that. But, uh, you know, whoever the next pastor is going to be, you can fast for that. Say, God, you know, whoever he is right now, Lord, we pray for him. And, and uh, God would work and, and uh, you know, move in all those different ways, help him to walk with you and so on. There's all kinds of things you can fast for. You can fast for your missionaries. You can fast for the things in the school and all kinds of areas that you could fast for the Lord with, and, 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 and that is a, a way to take and heighten up your prayer life, to take your prayer life to another level, is to incorporate some fasting. And so she served God with fasting, but then she served God through prayer. She says, it says there, but serve God with fastings and prayers night and day. Uh, this is a continual service throughout her whole life. This is a pattern in her life, is she served God through prayer. This uh, word prayer uh, refers to supplication, uh, praying for others. And this really is the deepest form of prayer, is when we're really supplicating for other people. Uh, She served God through prayer. Now, this is a burden. This is not an easy life. Prayer is hard work. When you get to praying, you'll have all kinds of, of distractions, all kinds of opposition to attack you. The one thing the devil loves to do is to, keep his, is to keep God's people from praying. There is such a need right now, of course, in our country, in our state, in our churches for prayer. If there's ever a time that we ought to be strong in the matter of prayer, it is now. And yet, when we get to praying, all kinds of things happen. If you can't think of what to do for the day, start to pray, pray and then you'll start thinking of all the things you need to do. Uh, sometimes I'll write, I'll have a piece of paper, and I'll just start writing things down. All right, now I'm going to get back to prayer. Uh, I was thinking of, uh, uh, I think it was Charles Wesley that was uh, talking to a man about uh, how they, you know, about being distracted when you start praying. And he says, oh, I can pray without being distracted. He says, uh, if you can pray for five minutes without being distracted, I will give you my horse. And uh, so they get on their knees, and this man begins to pray, and then he stops. And he turns over to Charles Wesley, and he says, does that include the saddle too? Uh, right there, he lost the deal. Uh, and, you know, he got distracted. He was thinking about the horse. And it's so easy for us to become distracted in prayer. We've got to get in our closet. As Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 6, but thou, when thou prayest, enter in thy closet. And when thou hast shut the door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. We've got to get to the closet and shut the door. You know, it's easier to come to church on Sunday morning than it is to have a consistent prayer life. It's easier to come to church Sunday night and Sunday morning, Sunday night and Wednesday night and then to have a consistent prayer life. It's even easier to do all three of those, Sunday school as well, and even go on visitation than to have a consistent prayer life. The same thing, if you can read the Bible through and, and, uh, and have a, spend time in God's Word and yet neglect prayer. The Word of God and prayer go hand in hand. 
And we get attacked here in this matter of prayer than in, more than any other spiritual discipline. Oh, strengthen your prayer life. Put, make that a priority to spend that time with God in prayer. For some of you, just, just spending 10 or 15 minutes you know, uh, getting up maybe a little earlier or uh, uh, eliminating some things in your life will change your life completely. Spending that time pouring your heart out into the Lord in prayer. Getting things right with Him. Now this prayer that Anna's doing is a very deep prayer. There's different levels of prayer. You have, I was reading Matthew 7, my devotions today. Uh, you have ask, and then there's a heavier burden, seek. And then there's the heavier burden, knock. And even as you're praying, you can go to all of those burdens at once. For you're, you're kind of asking, and then you're like, oh Lord, I really need it. God, I have to have this. Uh, there's different levels of prayer. And this level that, that Anna is at is a deep place of prayer of supplication for others. Daniel Nash, maybe you've never heard of this man, but Daniel Nash was a failed preacher. Uh, his church in, in Maine kicked him out, and, and he didn't know what to do, and he uh, came across a man by the name of Charles Finney, an evangelist who was holding uh, tent meetings and citywide meetings, and, and he says, why don't you come and travel with me? Now, Daniel Nash was not the song leader. He didn't preach in the meetings. You know what he did? He prayed. They would go to a town, they would find maybe a widow lady that had an extra room, and he would go into that room and pray. And there were times where uh, he would be in that room all day long. Uh, one uh, elderly lady came up to Charles Finney and said, uh, Brother Finney, uh, Brother Nash has not been out of his room for a couple of days. I put food, I put water by the door, and he hasn't even opened the door to get those. Should I do something? And he says, no, leave him alone. God's power is working in an amazing way right now. Daniel Nash passed away, and I think it was either a month or two months later, Charles Finney got out of evangelism. The power was gone. Sometimes we think, oh, it's us preachers. Yeah, we're the ones that have it. No, it's the supplication of others. <laughs> it's that prayer ministry of others that really give it power. Ian Bounds said, no prayer, no power. Little prayer, little power. Much prayer, much power. We needed to help as Aaron and her upheld Moses' arms in the time of battle. We need to help each hold each other's arms in the time of battle. No matter who the strongest person is, eventually you're gonna, your arms are going to get tired. No matter who the strongest Christian is in this room, we're at some point we're going to get weary, we're going to get tired. We need others to help supplicate for us, to help pray for us. We need to pray for others and help hold up each other's arms because certainly this is the time of battle. Anna, she battled She's prayed. This is not an easy life. It's a heavy burden. It's hard work to get to this place of prayer, this supplicating place of prayer. It's the same word that uh, uh, was used in, in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 11. Yea, also helping together by prayer for us. They serve God through prayer. The same word that Paul used in Romans 10 and verse 1. Brother, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Oh, it's a heavy burden. It's, it's a uh, burden that's, that's difficult to bear. And yet, she served God through prayer. But then we notice that also that she served God through praise. Verse 38, And she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord. Uh, I'm going to go back to that matter of prayer. I want to talk a little bit about my, my grandmother. And, uh, and then I'll go to the, the, the praise one, but... My grandmother, she lived in San Leandro. Uh, she passed away two years ago, and uh, I miss her. 
she was a, known by her prayer life. Uh, she would get up at 4 a.m. I don't know how many hours in prayer that she would spend. She went to Heritage Baptist Church, Pastor Alan Fong, and, and I remember the, uh, the beginning was probably about 100, 200 people there in the church, and then it grew about, I don't think, four or 500. And, and I remember going there that first time, and, and, and several of the people, once they found out I was Marge Schmidt's grandson, they said, your grandmother is our secret weapon. And I said, how's that? They said, your grandmother prays for us. And she would. She'd pray for all the missionaries. She would pray for the prayer requests of the church. Uh, when she was no longer able to make it to the services uh, anymore, they, uh, the pastor made sure that every week somebody dropped by Marge Schmidt's house and gave her the updated prayer list. And she would see answers to prayer. Uh, Pastor Fong would go in, uh, there many times and give her a prayer list that uh, he would want her, uh, her to pray for him personally. God used her in a tremendous way in the matter of prayer. And, uh, and again, you would, it wasn't just that she, she said she was praying for you, you knew it. And you would see God move and work. And uh, I've got several, several illustrations about that, but I uh, won't take the time to tell you about those. But, but uh, God used her in a great way in prayer. And I remember uh, a couple of years ago, we were there at her house, and she says, Tim, I wish I could serve God like I used to. I wish I could serve him in the orchestra and play my violin. I wish I could teach the, the children's class like I used to. I wish I could go door to door like some of the others in the church. But she says, physically, I can't do any of those ministries anymore. So God's taught me that my ministry is the ministry of prayer. And oh, when she said that, God so smote my heart with conviction. says, Tim, I want you to have that ministry as well. I don't know what kind of ministry you may have or not have here at the church, but every one of us can enroll in the ministry of prayer. We all need to have that ministry of prayer, of praying for others. And so Anna had that ministry of prayer. She, she served God through prayer. Now we'll get to she served God through praise. And she coming in that instant, it just so happened, oh, God orchestrated that. Now Simeon, he was promised to see the Lord's Christ. Anna was not, but Anna got the blessing too. She came in that instant and was able to see uh, the babe. And it says likewise, or, uh, she coming in that instant likewise, gave thanks likewise unto the Lord. She immediately was thankful to be able to see uh, there Jesus Christ. She served God through praising God. Hebrews 13, 15 says, By him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually, that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. One of my former pastor's wives uh, uh, from North Carolina, after Megan and I got married, we were with the uh, Tri-City Baptist and Pastor Cummins and and uh, Mrs. Cummins, uh, uh, a couple of years ago, we were able to see them in South Carolina. Uh, he's retired and so on, and now he's in heaven. But uh, I remember Mrs. Cummins, it was a very, just a rough year for her. She had had COVID. Uh, she had uh, found out she had cancer and also gotten a major car accident, I think, which left her uh, paralyzed from the waist down. And, uh, and this woman, uh, we were there at their house for a couple of hours. Pastor Cummins did most of the talking and so enjoyed uh, uh, his fellowship and wisdom. And for a few moments, uh, Mrs. Cummins uh, started to, to speak and, and uh, just talk a little bit. And she said, I never wanted to get old. Uh, she, I'd see the older people. She says, God, if, if you trust me with age, would you help me to be a joyful, older Christian? And, uh, and I can't explain to you, but she just had a glow about her. She just radiated Christ in her life. And, and certainly, I mean, I, I remember some of the things that Pastor Cummins said, but what meant so much to me was to see this, this elderly woman, Mrs. Cummins, uh, have such the joy of the Lord 
And, and God used her in such a way to, to so speak to my heart uh, about that. Matthew Henry said, the lips soon silent in the grave should be showing forth the praises of the Redeemer. Oh, we are, there is so much for us to be thankful for. There's many people out there. I mean, you've worked with people that complain and gripe all the time. You know, as Christians, this is where we can stand out, where we can give thanks and everything, because uh, we have so much to be thankful for. Uh, we ought to uh, have that, that service through praising God. But then, uh, lastly, we find not only did she serve God through fasting, through prayer, but through praise, but then she served God through proclaiming the Messiah. Uh, we see here, it says, And spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. She was one of the first ones to proclaim the Messiah has come. She's one of the first ones to share the gospel, the good news, with everyone else. Acts 1.8, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and the unknown part of the earth. Here in California, we're not going to run out of people to witness to. <laughs> uh, there's always somebody that we can witness to. And again, we're on the front lines, but we're on the front lines with the gospel of Christ. And we need to be about the gospel of Christ. I can't reach the people you can reach. You can't reach the people that I can reach. When's the last time you sought to give the gospel to someone else? That you had some tracks on you, that you, you thought that day, you know what, I need to have some gospel tracks on me because maybe God's going to open up the door, give me a divine appointment to, to tell somebody about the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. When's the last time you sought out to give the gospel to somebody? When's the last time you handed out a tract? If you can't remember, I suggest it's been too long. Oh, God's not, I remember my grandmother, she says, Tim, I believe God has had me. She died when she was 94. Uh, she says, I believe God's had me live this long for two reasons. One is to pray for others, but two is that I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I need to get the gospel out. And, uh, and when those, those later years, if you were to take her to Sizzler or some other place, if anybody ever looked at her, she would try to get over to her, go get over to them and give them the gospel. Uh, she was so passionate for the gospel. Oh, that we'd be passionate for to share the good news that Christ has come like Anna did. She, uh, she says that uh, she spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Uh, she wanted to give the gospel to others. And oh, there is that good news. The good news is that we don't have to go to hell, that we can go and spend eternity in heaven, that our sins can be forgiven. You see, your sin, uh, every one of us have sinned. Romans 3, 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. The price of our sin is death. Death simply means separation, eternal separation from God. There's two places where we're either going to go when we die, either heaven or hell, the lake of fire. And, and God does not want anyone to go to the lake of fire. So he sent his son to pay the price for our sins, which is death. He put all of uh, the sins upon himself. He became sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteous of God in him. He took all of, of your bitterness, all of my pride, all of your lust, all of my fear, all of the sins we've ever committed. He put it upon himself and paid the price by shedding his blood for your sins and mine. And then was buried, and then he rose again that third day, conquering sin and conquering the grave. As he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Uh, John, John 14, 6, he said unto me, he said unto him, I am the way the, 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 the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. The only way you and I can go to heaven is through Jesus Christ. Heaven's a perfect place, and only Christ is perfect. 
and we can call upon the name of the Lord and we can be saved. I remember that day uh, when I was five years old. It was a Sunday night service, and I remember the pastor preaching out of the book of Revelation, the end times. And that night I, knew, I realized that I was a sinner in need of a Savior. Have you ever seen yourself as a sinner in need of a Savior? I thought if my good works outweighed my bad works, I would go to heaven. And, uh, and I, I think many people believe that, uh, that their good works would, would make them get them to heaven. You say, what have you, did? What, what have you done at, at five years old? My mom and dad would tell you plenty. <laughs> I had lied. I disobeyed my parents. I dishonored them. I had stolen. I had done plenty of sins. Uh, fought with my sister and all of that. And, uh, and so uh, I, that night I realized I was a sinner in need of a Savior. I went home. I said, Mom, is it true what the Bible says about hell? And, and, uh, and she says, yes, son, it is. She began to take me through the book of Romans. And I remember that Romans 10, 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That night I bowed my head and I said, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I said, you please forgive me my sins. Come into my life and save me. And when I called upon Christ and asked him to save me, that whole weight of guilt and conviction just lifted up from me. And I ran down the hall and I said, Dad, Dad, I got saved, I got saved. And I was so excited about my salvation. Oh, it's been many years since then. But I'm still excited about my salvation. I'm so glad Jesus Christ has saved me. Now, I remember that day. And I prayed a prayer. But I'm not trusting in a memory. I'm not trusting in a prayer. I'm trusting in a person. And that person is Jesus Christ. Do you know him? Do you know if you die today that you'd go to heaven? Do you know if your sins are forgiven? Uh, you can. He says in Titus 1, 2, And hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie, promise before the world began. Oh, please don't leave this place without getting that settled uh, here today. So we see that she served God through proclaiming the good news that, re that redemption has come to Jerusalem. She was able to see the Lord's Christ. You see here this, uh, this Anna, she served God with her life, which was not an easy life. This was a laborious, it was hard, it was difficult to serve God in this matter of prayer. Few people have this type of a prayer ministry. It's hard work. And you say, well, Anna, was it worth it? Was it worth it to serve God with your life? Was it worth it to give everything you had to this ministry? And oh, she would say, it, it is worth it. Uh, I think that she would sing along with Fanny Crosby. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. One, life's trials will seem so small when we see Christ. One glimpse of his dear face, all sorrow will erase so bravely run the race till we see christ the one whose whose father means the face of god gets to see the very face of god you see the great reward of prayer is not simply walking away with some sought after possession but the great reward of prayer is simply walking away with god are you serving god with your life. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. In a few moments, I'm going to pray. God has spoken to your heart about the area of serving Him. Maybe you've been making the excuses. You're saying, God, I can't serve you in this way because I... And yet God's calling you to do something. You say, preacher, 
that's me. I've been making those excuses. And I want to stop making those excuses. And I want to surrender and just serve God with my life. Would you please pray with me on that? Preacher, God has spoken to my heart about making excuses of why I can't serve Him. And I want to stop with those excuses and serve God with my life. Would you please pray with me on that? With heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody looking around. If that's you, would you slip your hand and I'll pray for you? God has spoken to my heart that I've been making excuses. And I want to stop with those excuses. And I want to serve God with my life. Would you please pray with me on that? If that's you, just slip your hand and I'll pray for you. All right, thank you. Friend, do you know Jesus Christ is your Savior? Do you know if you died today that you'd go to heaven? You say, preacher, I do know. I do know that if I died today that I would go to heaven. And I can give you a Bible reason how I know. Preacher, this is my testimony. I do know that if I died today that I would go to heaven. And I can give you a Bible reason how I know. This is my testimony. If that's you, just slip your hand. Say, preacher, I know that if I died today I'd go to heaven. And I can give you a Bible reason how I know. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You may put your hands down. You say, preacher, I didn't raise my hand because I don't know. I don't know if I died today that I would go to heaven. But I'd like to know, would you please pray for me? With heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody looking about. If that's you, you slip your hand, and I'll pray for you. Preacher, I don't know if I died today that I would go to heaven. But I'd like to know, preacher, would you please pray for me? If that's you, you slip your hand. Finally, Christian, how's your prayer life? Oh, the one thing the devil wants to do is to keep you from praying. That's where the power lies. Maybe God has spoken to you about your prayer life, but you need to step it up. You haven't been given at the time that God wants you to give it. God's been working on my heart over this last week about my prayer life. Say, preacher, would you please pray for me? God is speaking to my heart that I need to step up my prayer life. Would you please pray with me on that? With heads bowed and eyes closed, if that's you, would you slip your hand and I'll pray for you? Yes, thank you, thank you. Yes, thank you. Father, you know right where we're at. Lord, you see, uh, there's been times where I have come to a service, uh, even this year, a church service with my heart not being right with you. Lord, I pray that we would not leave that way. Lord, that we would respond in obedience to you, to what you have spoken to us about. That we would respond in humility. I pray for these that uh, will raise their hand about their prayer life. Lord, I ask that you would give them a specific step today, tomorrow. Lord, that they can incorporate in their life that would help them to step up their prayer life. Maybe they need to eliminate something. Maybe they need to get up a little bit earlier. Lord, I pray that you would give them such a passion in this matter of prayer. Lord, that you wouldn't just take them to where they've been before, but that you would take them further than they've ever been in their, in their prayer life. These next several days and several weeks and even through the end of this year, that these next months would be some of the best times they've ever had in prayer. And Lord, for these that 
to making excuses. Lord, I, oh, you know, Lord, I have been there so many times. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to stop with the excuses and just surrender and serve you out of a heart of worship. Lord, it's not about us, that it's all about you. Lord, we must decrease, but you must increase. Lord, help us to serve out of that heart of worship and stop with those excuses. Have your way be done in each of our hearts. Lord, help us to be obedient right now. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Let's